I believe and I hope today, as I try to get to my notes here, that I don't want to, as I preach on going global, I love the word missions, but I really like how we put in our mission statement to go globally. Uh, I'm going to get to a definition of, mi- of missions and missions trips, but I like just that verbiage to go globally and the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to talk about today is missions. I'm going to share a little bit of my story of why I feel like I'm called to missions, what's happened in my family, what's happened in me. We're going to share about what missions looks like or has looked like up till now. And again, when I share and I talk about these things, please don't hear something that I'm not saying. I'm not saying anything bad about the way missions have been done or the way that people have went on missions trips. I'm not saying anything bad about it. It's good. But as you come to a church and you get planted and you figure out where you're at and your church figures out and your leadership comes up with a plan and a mission statement and God directs them, our, we're going to talk about our purpose as New Covenant Worship Center, how we are going to change and go in the directions of going globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So we're going to hit on some stuff. We're going to touch on some history. I'm going to share some of my own family history. Um, I have a couple of Ramey family trees. And we're going to talk about some people that an uncle of mine went down and he found some lineage and heritage. Because really, I hope we can get to the point of where we understand that going globally is so Jesus can have his full inheritance. So we're going to touch on that. We're going to hopefully even touch on some of, when we talk about going globally and we talk about going on missions trips, and even I was this way years ago, I had this thought, well, why do we want to even go to other countries? I mean, we have people in America who are starving and people who need water and and they need clothes and they need to know Jesus too. I hope you leave today understanding that that is a part of missions. That is a part of going globally. Even Jesus set an example, and I'll give you a scripture of what he talked about, of some structure on what it looks like to do missions to end up going globally. Does that make sense? Chad Cooper or whoever's in there, you please play the uh, first video, not the Chinese video yet. Now here in just a second, I'm going to show another video. There are some very, what I would consider, humbling and disturbing facts. The first, and I don't, I don't want to make this all about money for one. And I don't want to guilt you into anything because the Bible is not to guilt you. Should there be some conviction? Absolutely. 
I hope you leave here today, though, with hope and encouragement and joy and fired up about every person in this room can be involved, whether you go or you help in sending monetarily with prayer, with support when people are gone. I mean, when I'm gone, when Ben's gone, when Shelly's gone, when Sarah's gone, there's things you could do. Check in with Cree. Check in with my wife. How's my wife and kids doing? Take them a meal. Take Emma a meal. Check on her. Check on Liam. See, there's all kinds of things that you can do to get involved in missions and going globally besides just giving money and going. Now, I like David Pratt, and I know some of you don't because he's so radical. But sometimes to get the pendulum to swing the other way, we have to say radical statements and do radical things to get us to transform our mind. See, he says there's only three types of people who get involved in or of three types of people with missions. Zealous givers, zealous goers, and disobedient. Now that is a very powerful statement. That is a very radical statement. And you may say, well, I'm not being disobedient by not going or not giving. I will let you be the judge of that, and I'll let God speak to you and you talk to the Lord. But I will give you some scripture because what we need to do as we share in the word is give you enough scripture to where you know that this just isn't Mike Brown's opinion. But what I'm getting is from the word. And then you can decide whether or not you want to obey what the Bible says. See, my job is not to get you to obey. My job is just to give you the information and pray that the Holy Spirit and God does something in you that makes you say, hmm, I need to think about this a little different. We give point. 0.9% of our earnings to global missions. That's really, really, really low. Every person in here goes out to eat. We buy Cokes. We buy drinks. Energy drinks. <laughs> we, buy, we buy candy. We want a candy bar. Man, I'm not going to cook today. I just don't have time, so I'm going to go to B-dubs, you know. Or, man, I, one of the things I really felt convicted by with Eric before he went on a sabbatical is he said that he used food as a reward. How many of us say, it's been a long week. I deserve a steak at the roadhouse. <laughs> or, man, it's been a long week. I deserve a nice date with my wife and the 40-ounce steak at Willie and Red's. <laughs> I would challenge you. Yeah, my wife loves that steak. I'm not so big on it, but it's okay. Is it 40 ounce? 38 ounce. We split it. Right, Chris and Jenny, we've done that before? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yes. Yeah. And Letitia can eat the whole thing. <laughs> I'm telling you, listen, if you ever go to eat with the Fairchilds and you say you're going to pay, bring your wallet. That, I'm telling you, that girl can pack away some food. I don't know where it goes. She's got the world's fastest metabolism. It is amazing. If we could bottle that up and sell it, we could fund everyone to go on missions trips. Anyway, see, that's fun. You can say stuff like that and laugh and keep going. Anyway, we give 0.09% of our income. We have a hundred translations of the Bible. And what was it? Um, 80%? Was it 80% does not have a translation? 67. Have no Bible in their own language. Now, we're going to go back a little ways to a message that Tom and Eric, one of them, preached a while back. I'm going to ask you to do something for me and engage in this. Um, message today if you have read your Bible this week this past week from Sunday to Sunday if you opened it and you read it for more than 15 minutes stand up good 
but it's less than, stay standing. That's less than 50% of the people in our church who have not opened their Bible in 15 minutes. We have access to the very thing that changes our life. And we cannot take 15 minutes to open it up. But we will take several hours on Facebook and complain about how our life is. If you read your Bible every day this week, stay standing. Play the video, Chad. This video is of Chinese people getting their very first Bible. They are in love with the gospel. Now we can listen to it, but it's not the same. You need to read it. Do you realize that the very people on that video, there's a strong possibility that they risked their life to go to where those Bibles were delivered to get them so they could read them because they know there is life-giving stuff in this. But we cannot open the Bible once every day. And that should convict us all. Because really, the Bible has every answer for every question that you have about life. About everything. And I'm not perfect. Do I get it every day? No. But when I start to dig in and I'm reminded of this, when I'm reminded of an abundant life that God has given me, with a plethora of opportunity. At any moment, at any time, I could come to this church. I could go to any church. I could call most pastors. Even if I couldn't get a hold of anyone here, I could call somebody and have access to Jesus and help right now. But there are people in the world globally who have to wait days who sit and don't eat, who walk miles just to go to some place, to go to church because they hear there are people coming that are bringing Jesus. I need it. And they will give stuff up. And they will walk to go see a man or a woman of God so they can hear what they have to say, so they can be encouraged, so they can have hope. What if you... What if we in this room were the only Christians in Newcastle, Indiana, in Henry County? When I go to Kalmykia in October with Sarah, Shelley, 
and Ben, there are around 250 Christians in a town of 150,000 people who are Buddhist. That's not Christians. We had, what was it, 80% of people, missionaries who go, they go to places that are already Christian. That's like, I'm going to shine my light for Jesus today. I'm going to church. You can, it's easy to, to be in church and share Jesus and be like Jesus and shine my light. I'm a Christian today. Woo, yeah. But go to some place that's already dark and try to do that. Try to do that, not just for weeks, but for years. And only three times a year, other people come in to give you encouragement, to bring you hope, to say, Eric, don't give up. I know it's hard. And see, that's easy for me to say because I'm going back to America where I'm a white guy who's rich. But these people over here are third world countries trying to make it. And they need someone to go to them so they can say it's a breath of fresh air. Yes, I can make it a few more months till the next person who comes to bring me encouragement and another little piece of Jesus. And we can say, do it. Keep going. Yes, the government is changing laws for visas and saying certain things can't be done. And I've talked with Tom about this and I've struggled with, well, what about when you go to places and, and you have to manipulate the truth so you can just get in? There is an aspect of how you can present it, number one, but number two, when laws of man do not line up with the laws that are unholy with what God says, you have to do what you have to do to get into a country so you can bring the truth. But how many would do that? You know, the reality is that this whole thing that's came up has brought back the reality that, you know what? There is a chance that we could not come back. Now, my faith says I'm going and I'm coming back. But you have to always go and think, is the greater good? Am I okay with laying my life down for the glory of God so that one person may experience Jesus Christ and hear the testimony of hope and faith? Will I lay my life down for that? It's a big choice. See, it's easy to give money. Now, when I say that, it's easier to give money. You're like, man, I'll give you $100. I ain't going because I, I got a girlfriend I want to marry. And, you know, I want to have two more kids. And, you know, I got stuff I want to do. You know, and then it becomes if you're married and you have kids, it becomes a whole family issue. I got a whole church. I don't want to leave my church most of the time. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> but are you willing to let Mike Brown go? What if Mike Brown can't come back? What if Ben can't come back? See, because then you can feel the weightiness. You're like, Whoa. see, it's not just me you are missing. Are you prepared to handle the load? My wife, three kids, a wife. How many ever kids? <laughs> one, one, and, one and three quarters, <laughs> you know? What if Shelly don't come back? Are you willing to pick up the load for Chris and 42 kids? <laughs> Look, these are things we have to think of because the reality... I have, there it is. The reality is, I just don't want to talk about going global. I don't want you to just talk about going global. We got Ben and Emma and Andrea and I think Tabitha, they're working on stuff. They're, they're praying, they're getting together on how do we equip the church, Camp Grizzly, all the way up through to you adults about missions. What can you do? How can you stay involved all the time? See, I just don't want to talk about it, but I want to set an example for my kids. Because I know I'm not going to be a long-term mission guy unless down the road somebody, God changes that. 
I know it's a short-term, many short-term trips. But it's different for my kids. I, uh, um, I watched my daughter two years ago. Man, I'm sorry. I'm not even following any of my notes, really. And I, I, got, a, and I got a bunch. I'm going to get back on them. I've, I followed, I went to a mission trip, a mission um, conference at Johnny's Church over New Life before we went to uh, Russia the first time. And you've seen what they do here. It's very powerful. They bring 32 flags. And in their own native language, they call out to Israel, come forth. To Kamikia, come forth. To China, to come forth in their native tongue. So I, I watched this procession and my heart is moved. And my eight-year-old daughter at the time is with me and I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm raising my girl up. I'm going to raise my other two kids up to do the same thing. And, and he gets up and he says, if you feel like God has called you to any of these countries, please stand. Kinley stands up first. And I'm like, whoa, that's awesome. So a flood of emotions in like five seconds, just like when she was born. And I thought, man, this is awesome, God. And then I thought, I've lost my daughter. Because the reality is, if I am a father that pours into that, I just don't talk about it, but yet I do it. But I'm a father who pours into that. And I remind her, every now and then about what God's called her to do. And she goes, Dad, God's called me to Africa, Russia, Honduras, and India. Look up India and how dangerous it is. And at eight years old, God called my daughter. And so I'm like, God, I've lost my daughter and at the same time he says but you've gained nations it ain't about me it's about what Jesus wants and what he died for I got a statement here that I heard last night man and last night if you didn't go man it was great maybe not a lot of people but it pumped me up I mean, I'm ready to do just about anything now. You need to be fresh fired. One of the things he says is you should not be satisfied with just going to heaven. We have churches full of people who are just satisfied with going to heaven. What about this? We were not just saved from something, but I was saved for something. You were saved for something. Not just to come to church and sit in a pew and put some money in the plate and raise your hand every now and then and get up here and worship and cry a little bit and then get out and forget all about it till next Sunday for two hours and not read your Bible all week. You were saved for something. And we have to live that way. I was saved for something. Amen? So the great part about that story is with my daughter, so I'm like, me and my wife are talking, of course, you know, I would pick them all up and leave now. And she's like, no, but she's loving to travel more. Yay! Pretty soon you will be sending my whole family somewhere. So she goes to school. You'll love this, Mrs. Myers, her kindergarten teacher. So she goes to school and there's a music teacher and I don't remember how the conversation all got started but they're going and, and they're talking and McKinley goes, yeah, I'm going to go to Africa and Russia and Honduras and, and India. And her music teacher says, oh, that's nice but that had never, you know, never happened. And she's being really putting this down and, you know, because she's an eight-year-old girl. What's an eight-year-old girl know? Well, finally, my daughter, you know, pulls up her big girl panties like her mommy, and she goes, no, God said I'm going to Russia and Africa and Honduras and India. And that was end of conversation. 
But see, that, that's even what we can be doing here. That's part of raising global awareness and looking at the world through God's global glasses is so our kids can say, no, God gave me a dream and I'm going. I can't tell you how many times my four-year-old over the past two years has, what'd she do, just wake up one morning? What'd she say, Ashley? So I encourage that, and every now and then she'll still say that. And she's, she's four now, right? She was three when she said that. One of the other things she said, we're sitting in the kitchen one day, and she goes, hey, Dad, there's angels in here. They're from Africa. I'm like, really, what do they look like? She says, all I see is their feet, and they have on sandals. So I've lost another daughter. But I am okay with that because I've gained nations. Amen. Let's pray real quick before I go any further. <laughs> Holy Spirit, I just ask you that you continue to let an anointing flow through. That as I go through my notes, that as we share in the gospel, that as we bring forth these verses, Lord, that there is an anointing, there's an encouragement, there's a joy, there's a, there a happiness. There is a urgency and a fire that gets fired up within your people that we realize the importance of going globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So, I've, all right. So what is missions? All right, let's get to some notes here. Uh, I've got some definitions here. Uh, missions, an important assignment carried out for political, religious, or commercial purposes, typically involving travel. Okay, some synonyms. Assignment, commission, expedition, journey, trip, undertaking, which is an understatement, an operation. The vocation of calling or calling of a religious organization, especially a Christian one, to go to the world to spread its faith. The Christian mission. To share good news. All right? So what I did was I love technology because as I used to watch my dad study, he probably could have used a computer. It would have been an old type, you know, the big desktop bell things. He never, he just studied the Bible and he had a few books and that was it. But we can get on and Google all kinds of stuff and it takes us to Bible Hub and different verses and different commentaries. And what happens when you do that, again, the word becomes alive. And when you do it and you read it for more than just its face value, I've even showed the videos of how just the written word changed the molecular structure of the water in your body. That is not 99% water, by the way. It's only like 60-some percent, so I messed that up. I needed to throw that in there. So when was the term missions first used? Mission comes from a Latin word that means to send. It was first used by Jesuit missionaries who sent members of their order overseas to establish schools and churches. Foreign travel is still associated with the world. When diplomats and humanitarians... Humanitarian workers travel abroad. We often refer to these trips as missions. Now, we really use this scripture a lot, which is Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. So you can turn there real quick. We're going to read some scripture. We'll throw it out to you here. But what you realize is when you start to get in and, and you read that, but then you Google just... So you can have something to study, Google missions trips and Bible verses on missions. I mean, there's tons of stuff. You can just click on them. It gives you some, and then you can start reading it. And I would encourage you, don't just read the verse. Read the whole chapter. Read all of it, okay? So Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, and I think Tom was even talking about this when he was praying for the offering. So Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. So what I find interesting is he tells them to go and make, and then he says, teach them. See, that tells me that part of what we do going globally should include repeated trips to the same place. Because in order to teach, there has to be continued communication. All my teachers in here, is that correct? In order to teach continued communication? To obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. So that's what we call the Great Commission. Now, so I've got some dates here, and I'm just going to read some stuff because it was interesting as, I, as I'm studying about this, and I'm like, God, where do you want to go? And how to, again, how do we encourage? There were missionaries of sorts even in the Old Testament. All right? You can look at Abraham as a sort of missionary. You can look at David as a sort of a missionary. What about Joshua as a sort of a missionary? What about the spies that they sent in to the land of Canaan because God said, I will give this to you a nation. So what they do? They send in spies, missionaries, to go see what it was all about. All right? You got Jonah. Now, Jonah disobeyed and then realized, well, I guess if I'm either going to die or I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to do it your way. See, you could also, people a lot of times say, well, God made Jonah go. No. God applied a lot of pressure. <laughs> and a good father applies pressure. Now, I give my kids choices. I don't always make them. But if they don't do the right thing, as a good father, I should apply some pressure to get them to go in the right direction. And I'm telling you, if you keep disobeying God, you will get this constant pressure to get yourself lined up. One of the guys read, and we hear this verse all the time, it talks about how we should be glad that we are sons when we feel disciplined because God disciplined those he loves. And for whatever reason, something rose up in me and I'm like, I'm a son! I'm a son! I get disciplined. Yes, I get love, but guess what? I get pressure. I get disciplined. You know what that means? I'm a son! That means I'm loved. That means I'm cared about. That means I'm probably his favorite because I get a lot of discipline. <laughs> but I'm okay with that. Now, I say that now, but I'm, I was talking to somebody. I think it was maybe Isaac Davis. I was talking to him about this. He's like, so you enjoy, you know, conviction and, and the pressure and, and, and getting discipline? And I'm like, I don't enjoy it. But it's a part of the walk. It's a part when I'm disobedient, I know, you know what? I represent something bigger than myself. And I don't always do it right. So I need the correction to get me going in the right direction. Amen? So, uh, in 33 AD, the Great Commission. Day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jews from a variety of the Mediterranean basin gets converted to Jesus. Philip goes to the Gaza, and there he meets the Ethiopian. Philip did a missionary trip. Now, what I'm hoping for, and I am believing for, and as crazy as this sounds, I'm going to be a missionary one day that I can be in Africa, and I'm going to preach the gospel, and people are going to get saved, and I'm going to walk out the door, and I'm going to start walking, and my family with me, and then, then we're going to be in Australia. And then we'll preach the gospel there. And then when we're done, we're gonna, and my name's Philip. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Philip Michael. And I'm an evangelist, kind of. And Philip was the only evangelist ever named in the Bible. Do you know that? My name is Michael. Michael was a messenger angel. So I'm an evangelist with a message that was to be sent somewhere. And we're going to get to that. And I'm going to walk. And we're going to walk. And then we're just going to be someplace else. Because the Bible says, and Jesus says, greater things can you do than I did. He raised dead people. I will go somewhere and raise dead people, and then I'll go someplace else and do it again. And if it only happens once, that's all it takes. Because when my kids see it, they'll be raising dead people everywhere. 
And that sounds crazy, but if Jesus did it, and I read nowhere in the Bible where it says it was ever to stop, it still happened. All right, so Philip, we got, Pe- we got Peter who preached to the Gentiles. We got Saul of Tarsus who was converted and became Paul. The person we don't talk about enough is Ananias. We got a church full of Ananiases. Don't say that five times real fast. <laughs> okay, not just our church, but the church in general is full of Ananiases. Where we will come to church and we'll even get down on our knees and we'll pray. Oh God, what am I going to do? What should I do? Where should I go? And we hear this voice that says, go, huh? Oh, well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, not me. I'm just going to sit here and pray. <laughs> go, Ananias, go. To who? That guy kills people. No, I can't go. But see, there was something in Ananias to where he knew. I believe there was a love in this man that he knew. My father has asked me to do something. I'm going to go. Was he scared? Absolutely. Was Ananias, did he do a missions trip? Absolutely, because he went somewhere and there was a powerful conversion. What if on one trip I meet that one person and they become totally converted and changes a whole nation? Because that's what Paul did. Paul, t- You are here because of Paul, because of what Paul did. How amazing would it be that if the world would last 2,000 more years, that other people are where they are at because an Alex went and obeyed, because an Alger went and obeyed, because a Mike or a Shelly or a Sarah or a Ben, because they went and they obeyed the call. Amen? So we have a lot of even New Testament biblical examples of Mark, who was one of the disciples. He went to Alexandria and in Egypt. Peter, he preached to Cornelius. Paul, again, who was Saul of Tarsus, he went to western Anatolia, which is part of the modern-day Turkey. So, hey, David. So we got Paul, who also ends up going to Turkey again. we got Thomas, who did some stuff. Paul went on his third missionary trip. we got Thaddeus, who established the Christian church in Armenia. We don't ever talk about Thaddeus, do you? But he was one of the 12 disciples. He did missionary work. He went. Okay. The first American missionary, just so you know, his name was Adonium Judson Jr. All right. I'll send that out in an email and you can look it up. But I thought, I wonder who the first American missionary was. Look him up. Pretty interesting life. Okay. So what, what does and has missions look like over the past several years? All right. I'll keep moving along. So what missions have looked like over the past several years at our church and at most churches is this. And again, I'm not saying anything bad about these types of trips. Do you understand? Everybody understand? Are we clear? Okay. We get a trip together. We go somewhere. We go to South American country, which a lot of it's primary Christian. There's a lot of freedom in some of these places. It is dangerous. I'll give you that. But we go and we build orphanages. We go and we help build schools. We paint. We work with children. All great stuff. There's a book, and I should have got it from Tom, and I didn't, but him and I were talking. And in this book, it's about mission trips and what some of the mission trips look like. And did you know that in some South American places that they tell their students to mess up the walls of the schools at the ends of the school year so Americans become and can come paint because Americans like to paint stuff. Now, what is that really doing? Now, those are great trips because they get us acclimated to traveling and getting and going and doing the work and, and raising money and all that stuff. I'm not saying anything bad about that. But when you have countries now who think Americans just come to do stuff because sometimes we think we're better than they are, uh, because we like to paint walls, because we're rich and we want to give money. Sometimes what we actually do in those cases that, that I never thought of till again, talking with Tom, is when we go and we do these things, are we not taking jobs 
from people who live in those countries who actually need the money to raise their families? And then again, how much time is actually spent sharing the gospel? Now, we are being the hands and the feet. I've done that. I've been to Honduras, went with Eric. I've been with Karen. We took shoes. We built. That stuff is absolutely needed. And they're good trips because you can take your family, and we took some young kids, and you can get acclimated into the culture of going globally. But are we operating in what God has called us to do in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit? And see, because here's what happened when I went on my first trip. I thought, I'm going to change the world. Boy, was I wrong. Because I went and got humbled. When you realize it's not about you. When you realize that Jason Furrow and his wife and his kids are the ones that are laying their life down for those people. They are sharing the gospel. I'm just going down to swing a hammer and help and get my mind changed. And God knew that the whole time. But what has God called us to do? Go, go in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We're going to touch on that a little bit later next week. But the, today is just to get you going in the right direction, to understand where we're at, why I'm where we're at, why God is doing in me some testimonies from Scripture and get you, get you ready for next week so you can come back hungry. All right, what does it look like? What should it look like for us to go? Amen? Amen. Green? Okay. Sometimes this takes work away. Yep, went there. Here's another thing. Even about doing those buildings and shoes and all that stuff. There are many, many, many non-Christian organizations that do a lot of good stuff in other countries. There are a lot of these places, that people who are non-Christian, who send money to other countries, who send teams to go and build and do. Amen! Great, I'm glad they do. So now it's just getting our mind turned to what God wants us to do. It's not that one is wrong over the other. It's both. It's together. And what is the Spirit of God leading us to do in this season? All right? Again, I'm not putting them down. I talked about Ananias. So... Why go globally in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit? Let me give you some scriptures here. You guys got awful quiet on me. Either you're sleeping or you're thinking. You could do both at the same time. Great. All right. So let's... Let's do this. Oh, boy. Oh, there we go. All right. So we, we read Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Let's read Mark 16, verse 15. Now, you can turn here with me, or you can. I would definitely encourage you to write all these down. That way you can do some studying over the week. See, now you can't say, I don't know what to study. I don't know what to read, where to start. I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five, six, seven scriptures that you could look up to and dig into and not just read the verse, but read the whole chapter. Mark 16, verse 15, says this, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. All right, so we're to go everywhere and it's good news it's not bad news correct write down right it's good news it's good news it's good stuff God's done some good stuff in my life and he's done good stuff in yours and that everyone needs to hear it amen all right Matthew 24 verse 14 
And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then finally, the end will come. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 24. If you didn't know that Chronicles was a book, it's in the Old Testament. A lot of good stories in there. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 24. Publish. Let's read verse 23. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Each day proclaim the good news that He saves. Again, the good news. Publish His glorious deed among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things that He has done. See, what pops up and what's going to reoccur in some of these other scriptures is where we've been going over the past few weeks, this thing about the testimony. The testimony of who you are, Bruce, and what's went on in your life and how God has changed you. Everyone needs to, all creation, the whole world, because there is a Bruce Bilby in Africa somewhere that has went through or going through what he's went through that needs to hear the Bruce Bilby testimony because testimony brings hope. And it keeps people moving. Revelation 14, verse 6. And this is all supernatural here. And I saw another angel flying through the heavens, carrying the everlasting good news to preach to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Again, there's reoccurring message of good news of angels and supernatural and moving and going to nations. Psalms 96 verse 3. We'll just pick that up later. Like all those notes? That's a Bible that gets used. My wife even accused me. This is a funny story about reading your Bible. <laughs> uh, and maybe subconsciously, I could see that subconsciously, maybe I have done this before. But I read my Bible in the mornings at the kitchen table sometimes before kids get up or whatever. And I left my Bible open to some stuff I was reading. <laughs> and she goes by and she looks at it. And I get this, so, did you leave that open on purpose? <laughs> But she read the Bible that day. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was a better one for you husbands who need some good verses. Come get me. <laughs> anyway, read your Bible. Hey, it affects your whole family. 96.3. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he's done. Again, David, who is a missionary who went to other countries who did stuff for the Lord, was telling us at a day such as this to declare the good and amazing things that he has done. Amen. Now, we're getting ready to wrap up here because I'm trying to practice what I preach. And as we teach all these young men and women who, um, all these young men and women who come up to preach, there's something that I've noticed about myself, that's so funny that I forgot to turn my sound off, <laughs> is, no, no, I wasn't my wife, <laughs> yeah, is that I've noticed the same thing that we've all joked about, that Mike Brown gets long-winded. So, because sometimes we like to hear ourselves talk. 
So I've really tried to work on, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say? What's in my notes? What's the PowerPoints? And let's move on to the next thing. Amen. So for all those that we've met with and talked, I'm trying to do the same thing. So we talked about, again, sharing the good news. Sharing the testimony is powerful. The testimony is supernatural. It does something to people. It gives them hope. It gives them courage. Now, I talked about how Jesus set forth a clear plan. In Acts 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So again, going in power and presence of the Holy Spirit. He comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, and in Judea, and Samaria, and all nations of the earth. Four. See, going globally is great. But I also believe we need to affect the same four areas and stuff that Jesus did. If you go to Jerusalem, Newcastle, that's our city. I want to affect Newcastle, and I believe I am. And I believe some of you in here are too. Judea, Henry County, Newcastle, Muncie right now. I believe that I'm having an effect on that and that some of you in here are as well. Then we have... Samaria, Samara, Samaria, Samaria, thank you. All right, that's more like what, Indiana or the United States, what would you say? Let's just go, that's like the United States. So we're having, we're having a national impact. I believe that even though I've not seen it, in some way, somehow I've touched someone's life that is having an effect at a national level. Same with some of you in here. And then what's he say? All ends of the world. All nations. So see, there's a plan. There's a strategic plan that God had that said, oh, well, just don't just give up on Newcastle in your area and your region and go to Russia. No, it starts here. He had to change me. Then he, by changing me, my wife and my family changed. By my wife and family changed, it's affected this church, which has affected Newcastle, Henry County, Muncie, Indiana, the United States, and now the nations. It's not one or the other, it's all. Amen? All right. We're going to end there as I end with the story because we all have testimonies, right? Are we all tracking? Are we good? Are you ready to hear the rest of it next week? What's it supposed to look like? Are you going to study some scripture? You, I've given you some stuff to dig into. Even just Google missions. Google missionaries. Find stories. You will, yes, I want your, your strings, your hearts to be plucked and, and, you, and you feel like, man, I need to give, I need to do, I need to go, I have a part. But I want it to be joyful. I'm excited about going. I'm excited about sharing my testimony because God has done amazing things in my life. He's done natural things. He's done things that are supernatural because people know me. And it wasn't me. They're like, that had to be God because I know Mike Brown and I know what he did and I know how he's acted and I know what he's done. But God has done something and it brings hope. And I'm going to bring hope to people who can't father people, who can't father their children, who cannot give up the bottle, who are needles in their arms. And I'm going to bring hope with other people. To see a country change, that one day they'll say, I seen this weird looking guy who does crazy stuff with his hair and sounds like a hillbilly and wears his jeans weird and likes them inside his boots so his boots comes out. But he gave me hope. And how Mickey has changed. And in 30 years, you see on TV re revival in Kalmykia, all Christian, no alcoholism. No abortion. Do you know the number one way of birth control in Russia is abortion? I don't want a baby. Kill it. We have to stand for something. We have to teach men who have no idea how to father children that you can say, look, I've been where you've at. I've been where you were. At. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? I've been where you're at. And there is hope. And your kids love you. And you are a good father because it's inside of you. Now pull up your britches and do something about it. And you say it in love. Amen? Amen. All right. You see this right here? Because I talked about lineage and, and heritage and inheritance. 
This is my inheritance, or part of it. This is a family tree that my mom's uncle, or great-uncle, put together. Believe it or not, my mom's great-uncle was a professor at a college in Tennessee. I come from highly educated. <laughs> you wouldn't know it very well. <laughs> but it's in there, okay? It's in there. All right? So, uh, two things that I find very interesting about some of the stuff, because uh, again, God knows what He's doing in, in all things. And we wonder why God created us a certain way and what he has to say and why we do certain things. And Well, so I traced, I read through a lot of this in the past, and I can't find it right now, but I'll, I'll find it and take a picture of it and post it on Facebook, or you can come up here and read it once I do find it. But some of my family lineage is... Kings. They were in your, Julius Caesar. He traced it down somehow. We have the one that I have a first archbishop of Remus, crowned the Clovis first king of France in 496. Um, it's in here. You'll just have to trust me and look through it. But um, Joan of Arc. Abraham, obviously, yes. Abraham was in my family tree. Joan of Arc was in there. Somehow, and I don't know how they figured it out, because Kalmykia is descendants of Genghis Khan. Well, in these very pages is Genghis Khan that is in my family tree. Now, I figured that out. I don't know. All right? It's smarter than I am. The interesting part about Genghis Khan is if you study his life, he probably had tons of children, hundreds that nobody knows about. But the descendants of Kalmykia are from Genghis Khan. In Alista, there is this huge statue of Genghis Khan on a horse. Now, I got to go to Kalmykia through two South African people that we know, Eric and Marinda, South Africans. What I find interesting is my dad, who when he was 15 or 16 years old, said that, wow, that my daughter now talks about Africa, my youngest. He said at 16 years old, God told him he was called to Africa. But he never went. Now, if you read in Genesis, Tom talked about this years ago in a message that he shared. Oh, my goodness. He talked about this in a message that he shared that, Adam, or not Adam, Abraham's dad is briefly mentioned. And you may think, what does this have to do with missions? I'm going to get there and I'm going to tell you. If you read, you can, by reading and studying it, it looks like at one point in time that God told Abraham's dad to get up and move and go. But he didn't. What actually happened was that Abraham's dad had another son and his son died. If I'm getting the story right. And what happened was his dad remained in the town in which his son passed away. Am I, am I getting this right, Tom? Kind of, sort of? All right, well, you can fill me in Wednesday. <laughs> so what happened is his dad seems like it started. He realized, he heard, and he stopped. Years later, now we have Abraham, who God says to Abraham, go. And what does Abraham do? He gets up and he goes. My dad, years ago, called to Africa. And he sat. And he stopped. And he stayed in a place. Maybe his dream died. He won't give me any more information. Years later, his son, Philip Michael, gets the call to go to Kalmykia with two South Africans from Africa. So... If my dad had obeyed the call at 16 years old, would Kalmykia be reached already? Maybe. My dad could have went to South Africa, been a missionary, 
Maybe I wouldn't be here. Who knows? See, every choice you make right now changes things. The choice that you make to sow into a trip right now affects people you know and it affects people you don't know. So you have a choice, even though the offering is gone, that next week you can put in, that later you can put in, or you even now, whatever the case may be, as God puts on your heart. You have a choice to listen to God. Because if you don't listen, I guarantee you, if, if you have kids, there's this kind of biblical precedence of if the dad doesn't do it, the kids are going to do it. Or at least they're given the opportunity. I was given the opportunity, and I knew I had to go. And I did. And now a country is being changed. Stand up. So homework for you, not just to read and study, but I want you to, if your parents are still alive, if your mom or dad is still around, I challenge you to call them up to ask them and start this conversation because we need to be more globally minded. Dad, just a crazy question. You ever feel like you were supposed to go to another country? Hey, Dad, you ever... Mom, you ever feel like God said, or you just on your heart, you don't have to use God. Maybe they're not saved. Maybe you just say, did you ever have this want to to go to any specific country and what was it? And your dad might say, you, you know, I always wanted to go to Scotland for some reason. I just never knew why. You know why he wanted to go? Because God deposited that in his heart. Because we, in Psalms chapter, uh, chapter 2, it talks about how if we ask, he will give us the nations as our inheritance. See, I want to leave an inheritance for my children. I want to, you know, make money and leave them set. Great. Amen. But you know what? I want to leave them an inheritance. And you know what the Bible says about an inheritance? I can leave my kid a nation. You can leave your children a nation. You can partner with me and others in doing that now. And then as you sow seed, people will sow seed into you to go to your nation that God has put on your heart that he's given for you and your family. Who wants an inheritance? Do you know that you have it? You just have to ask for it? Because the death part has already happened. You don't get an inheritance unless somebody dies. Jesus already died. So that means you can have inheritance now. If you just ask for it and you get it, Psalms verse 2, ask, Psalms chapter 2, I think it's like 7 or 8, ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. Father God, we come to you and we say you're a great father. You're an amazing creator. You, the, John, 3.16, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, you Love the world, God. And your word says if we ask in Psalms chapter 2 that if we ask for the nations, you will give them to us as an inheritance. We are asking right now in this very moment, God, what nation are you giving each family and tribe in here as an inheritance? What is it? We have asked in our mission statement, you gave us a powerful mission statement to go powerfully, to go globally in the supernatural power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Where are we to go and continue to send out missionaries from this church, not just support others, but who are you calling now? Who are you putting, what nations are you putting on people's heart that we can start to come together and see and people will come and say, Mike, God's called me here. They will go to Eric. God called me here. They'll go to Tom and they'll go to Michelle. God's called me here. Somebody is getting called right now to South Korea and somebody, God is calling them to China and Japan and the Netherlands. These countries are getting dropped within your heart right now and you're like, God, where is that coming from? Look, North and South Korea need Jesus. So God, may we put on global, global glasses. May we put on God's global, global glasses. May we not be guilted. 
May we feel conviction, but will you bring us and spark hope? Will you bring us joy that we will joyfully say, I will go and lay my life down for the gospel. I will give money. I will give time. I will care for family members that are gone. I give you my life so my family and so you, Jesus, number one, so you can have your inheritance. So that every tribe and nation, before you even come, can start to say how good and glorious you are because they are the testimony of how good Jesus is. We ask for the nations as an inheritance. And continue to bless. I just speak blessing over everyone in this house. Blessing to those who have given already, not just to this trip, but to other trips. I just speak blessings over that. God will honor that, and he will multiply that. I'm telling you, it is good soil to sow in. We thank you, Father, for loving the world and for giving your son. Amen.